This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Lone Ranger is a fictional masked former Texas Ranger who fought outlaws in the American Old West with his Native American friend, Tonto. The character has been called an enduring icon of American culture. He first appeared in 1933 in a radio show conceived either by WXYZ, Detroit radio station owner George W. Trendle, or by Fran Stryker, the show's writer. The series proved to be a hit. It spawned several books, largely written by Stryker, an equally popular television show that ran from 1949 to 1957, comic books, and several movies. The title character was played on the radio show by Earl Grazer for some 13,000 episodes. Clayton Moore portrayed the Lone Ranger on television. Now on the radio, Tonto was played by, among others, John Todd and Roland Parker, and in the television series by Jay Silverheels, who was a Mohawk from the Six Nations Indian Reserve here in Ontario. According to the episode The Legend of Silver that first aired in 1938, before acquiring silver, the Lone Ranger rode a chestnut mare called Dusty. The Lone Ranger saves Silver's life from an enraged buffalo, and in gratitude, Silver chooses to give up his wildlife to carry him. In another episode, however, the Lone Ranger, in a surge of conscience, releases Silver back to the wild. The episode ends with Silver returning and bringing along a companion who becomes Tonto's horse, Scout. In an echo of the Lone Ranger's line, Tonto frequently says, Get him up, Scout. The phrase became so well embedded in the Lone Ranger mythos that International Harvester used it as an advertising line to promote their Scout utility vehicle in the 1970s. So let's hear tonight's episode. It's entitled... Horse Thieves Steal Silver. Horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high of silver, the Lone Ranger.
famous masked rider of justice brings us another exciting story of the Old West tonight. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. And once again we hear the inspiring cry. Hey, old Silver! The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, old boy! Tell who's waiting for us in the cafe near time, many high-bred horses had disappeared from ranches in the neighborhood of Abilene. No one had been able to trace them nor to discover the thieves. At last, Cal Cummings, most prominent of the ranchers, directed the sheriff to ask the help of the Texas Rangers. A letter was written and addressed to Ranger headquarters and entrusted to the care of one of the townspeople of Abilene for delivery. The first scene of tonight's Lone Ranger drama opens outside a small cafe on the outskirts of Abilene. Zeke Skinner had been spending his money too freely for drink. And as the evening progressed, he talked more than was wise. His careless conversation was overheard. And when he staggered from the cafe, he was halted by the threat of a heavy gun and the stern voice of the Lone Ranger. Stand where you are, Skinner. Well, what does this mean? Go through his pockets, Sato, and find that paper he was talking about this evening. Mm, get him. Yeah, mister. You can't do this to You'll me. You'll see what we can do. Mister, I ain't got nothing for you to steal, right? to go back to Abilene, didn't you? Oh, boy. Can't a man just talk? Did you find the paper, Tonto? Me got paper here. Let me see it. That's my property. You can't... This is what we want, Tonto. Yep. Get to the saddle. Yep. Me, me ready. Hey. Now for Abilene. I'll One evening, several days after the masked man took the paper from Zeke Skinner, Cal Cummings stood at the Abilene Bar with the sheriff. Their conversation is about the theft of horses in the neighborhood. Cummings is speaking. Tell you, Sheriff, there just ain't no way to account for this horse thief that's been working around here. It's got me beat, Cal. That's why I was willing to send for rangers. I know when I'm against something I can't savvy. Oh, you're a smart hombre, Sheriff. Reckon you savvy that men in my position won't tolerate the loss of high-bred horses for very long. Don't get wrong notions, Cummings. I ain't sent for the rangers just because you ordered me to. No? I done it simply because I can't locate the horse thieves myself. And I hate horse thieves worse than killers. I'll see the rats hung if I have to send for the hull-blamed army. You reckon, Sheriff, I'll change my mind about buying a drink? I figured me and you understood each other. I buy my own drinks. Then I don't owe nothing to no one. Well, I'll join my tap pan over yonder. <laughs> Someday, Steve, I'll take some of that high-handed way out of that, Sheriff. Yeah, I'm with you, Cummins. How are things fixed for tonight? All set. The boys have got that big white horse spotted at the hitch rack again. Good. On the man that owns him yet? No, but it's true that he goes masked. He's a hard man to locate, though. Well, he must be close by if the horse is here. 
What about the other horse? Redskin owns it. He's the masked man's pardon. Darn curious they hitch the horses outside and then don't show up noise. Yeah, that makes stealing the big horse risky. You don't know where they'll come from. Everything is set, though, ain't it? Yeah, if only the plans work out. You'll get the high sign in a few moments. Despite of the way Cummings had spoken to the sheriff, he himself was the leader of the thieves. Silver, the Lone Ranger's horse, seemed to him a splendid prize, and Cummings' men were given orders to steal it. Silver put up a terrific battle as the crooks dragged him from the hitch rack. The masked man and Tonto were at the rear of the cafe watching Cal Cummings when they heard the commotion at the front. Tonto, that's Silver. What the matter? Come on, we'll see what's going on out front. They're taking Silver away. You take white color. Go get him, thief. If only I could shoot to kill. And there, other horse near. White fella. I'll take your horse. You take the other. We'll get after those thieves. Ah, Silver will fight those crooks every step of the way. Any fella. I'll All take it. Right, stranger. Price them. We got you covered. Put down those guns. My horse is stolen. Keep your hands high or we shoot. Don't take no risks, mister. We're Texas Rangers. You? That's right. We're here to get the horse thieves. And it looks like we got him. What's going on here? What's all the noise? Them's the Texas Rangers. We seen this mask on brain engine taking horses. And the engine's set to mount one with a CC brand. Well, that's my horse. My old horse has been stolen. We were borrowing a horse to get after the thieves. Tell that to the jury. We got him covered. Gosh, it don't take you gents long to make an arrest. Boy, you're the sheriff, huh? Yep, my jail's at your disposal. We figured something funny when we seen a masked man coming this way on the run. If you were here, you saw thieves make off with my horse. <laughs> that's a likely story. I'll help you lock him up. Maybe they'll tell where the other mounts is hid. Gahula! Yes, Tonto. What's that? Onal Tulag. Chu Talu. That's all we can do, Kimosabi. Hey, cut that chatter and engine. You're under arrest. The only reason I don't draw and shoot is because one of you would have to die. But there's another way. You're under arrest. Now, Tonto. I only got a gun. Blast him. Come on, come on. Come on. You got loose. Shoot him. Get this bitch, Kimo. He got us off guard. Get your gun. Come on. Two doctors see him. Get this engine off me. Ah, I got the engine. Well, we got him anyhow. Huh? You got me. That all right. You'll pay for this. Thought you were slick to jump us and spill a lot of us. You let the masked man get away. Oh, take it easy. We'll corral him later on. The main thing is we got one of the horse thieves. You ought to drill him on the spot. No, don't do that. Take him to jail and make him tell all he knows. Keep him there till he gets hung. The Lone Ranger had made his escape for two reasons. He knew that as long as he was held in jail, he could not recover silver. And once captured... The mask that concealed his identity would be taken from his face. While Tonto kept the sheriff, Cummings, and the other two men busy, the masked man fled on Tonto's horse. 
Some hours later that same night, we find the two men, Ben and Dave, in Cal Cummings' ranch house. We hear Ben speaking. Me and Dave hung around town for a while, Cummings. Then we come out here. Yeah, it was Ben's idea to see what the talk in town was. What is the talk? Well, everyone's convinced the engine is a horse thief. <laughs> it was sure lucky break for us, catching him hands down like that. Trying to steal my horse. That was done on purpose. The boys left that one of yours where they got the big whacking from, figuring the mask man would ride it. It didn't happen like we figured. But it worked out all right. Kale, it was sure a slick scheme, making everyone, including the sheriff, think we was Texas Rangers. We got you boys here without rousing suspicion. It sure did. Now you'll be able to do a lot for us. Just watch us. <laughs> Wonder what the sheriff'd say if he knowed about his letter to the governor asking Texas Rangers. Oh, what did you do with it? Give Zeke his orders on it and paid him off. Think he's likely to come back? No, not him. Now then, boys, let's get down to some planning. Well? I got a half a dozen other horses lined up to take. All good ones? The finest. Just give us the orders, that's all. I got an idea to make folks more than ever sure the engine and his part are horse thieves. Yeah? And get us horse flesh into the bargain. Oh, let's hear it, Cal. The engine has got to make his escape. I don't hanker to see that happen. When he busts loose, he takes a lot of horses with him. Oh, it might be fixed to look like that part of his with a mask busted him out. That's it. Wonder where he went to, anyway. Oh, he'll be a long ways from here by this time. Reckon he's still riding. Now, we got to make dead sure of one thing. What's that? That the engine travels when he gets loose. Any reason why he wouldn't travel? I don't take chances, boys. Well, we got to start lynch talk. Lynch him? Is that what you mean? That wouldn't work out for your plan. You can't lynch him. Oh, he won't get lynched. We'll get a mob riled, though. Then when he gets out, he'll travel fast. I don't expect the sheriff will take to lynching. Well, I'll have one of the boys keep him in tow away from the jail. Steve can rile the lynch mob. That sounds like a good scheme, eh? Hey, Cummins. Now, Steve. That white horse is a devil on four legs. I can't handle the critter at all. Where's he at? The stable. It was all quiet and calm. Then all of a sudden... Well? Gosh, I wish you'd seen it. Them ears poked forward and the head come up, and then it started in raising particular Ned. Biting, pawing, kicking, I don't know what now. Gosh, it's a powerful critter. That ain't all. I seen them shoes it's wearing, and boss, I never seen none like them before. How's that? I'd stake my life on it. They're solid silver. Silver? Wait. Leaping buzzards. Silver shod horse. Pure white. Strong as a dozen horses. Listen, I'll open the door. Yeah? Shut up, Steve. Don't you savvy it? If that horse is what I think, we got the most famous horse in the world. How's that? You never hear tell of silver? Silver? You mean the owner's man? The Lone Ranger, that's what. Listen to that critter kicking howl. Listen here. If that's the Lone Ranger, he wouldn't ride away from here. He wouldn't leave that horse. The horse was quiet till a while back, and then he started in. And that means it's masters around here somewhere. Get all the boys out. Have them scour this ranch for the masked man. I'll go get him. Throw a guard around the stable. I will. Give orders if that man seen to shoot him on sight. Come on. You too, Dave. Right. The chance of a lifetime. Boys, we got the famous silver and never known him. We're going to do big things with him.
The curtain falls on the first act of tonight's Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. continue our story. You will recall that in the first act of tonight's Lone Ranger drama, Cal Cummings, leader of the thieves who had been stealing horses in the Abilene district, ordered the theft of silver, a great white horse belonging to the masked man. When the Lone Ranger borrowed another horse to pursue the crooks, he and Tonto were arrested by the sheriff and two men posing as Texas Rangers. The mystery rider escaped, however, and made his way to the Cummings ranch where Silver, sensing his presence, whinnied loudly. Our next scene reveals Cummings and the two false Texas Rangers, seated in their saddles, watching the stable that holds Silver. Horse is quiet now. Reckon the masked man ain't been here after all. Drat the luck. I hope to get a shot at him. So do I. Just as well. If he had been here, he might have heard our plans. And that had spoiled everything. Yeah. But he wouldn't have had the chance to kill if we'd have got him. You might have and you might not. I'm as well satisfied if he's kept aboard the Redskins' horse and hightailed it away from these parts. What are we going to do, stay on guard in the saddle all night? I'll get the boys together and we'll take turns. Well, me and Dave have had a hard day, Cal. It's a long trip from where we sold them other horses to here. Uh, you boys can sleep. you got a busy day tomorrow. I'll see if the stable's guarded. Tomorrow, we got to pose as rangers, and then at night, we got to bust the engine out of jail. <laughs> then take another lot of horses with us when we leave here to hunt the horse thieves. The following day, the Lone Ranger removed his mask and cleverly disguised himself to look like a rancher. Then he entered the sheriff's office, behind which was the town's one-room jail, where Tonto was held. The sheriff, seated at his desk, looked up at the Lone Ranger's approach. You're a stranger around here, mister. Where are you from? You have a prisoner here, Sheriff. Yeah, an engine off, Steve. I'd like to have a look at him. For what? I think he might be a man I saw near the box K spread. Has the Box K lost horses, too? Hadn't you heard? No. The Box K is out in my county. We'll go on back. That door at the rear is the door to the jail room. You can speak to the prisoner between the bars. After I've talked to him, I'll be able to tell you whether or not he's the man we suspect. It don't matter anyhow. He's sure to hang as soon as he gets tried in court. I'll speak to him. Kimosabe. Mm, me know you come. Tato, I've learned the entire plan. Uh-huh. 
We weren't sure of our facts until last night, when those men who called themselves Texas Rangers pulled their guns to cover us. Texas Ranger not do that? No. They don't draw their guns until it's time to fire. After I left you, Tonto, I went to the Cummings Ranch. You hear things there? Yes. Silver knew I was there, too. He kicked up quite a fuss. Color think you there? Yes, they did. I had to leave, Silver. If I'd taken him, the horse thieves would have known I'd overheard their plans and they would have changed them. Oh. As it stands now, they'll go through with their idea. And it'll give us a chance to prove to everyone that they're crooks. Hey, you there. You from the box K. Yes? It's taken you a long time to find out what you want to know. I'm nearly through, Sheriff. Well, hurry it up. I'll try to get Silver after the men have left the Cummings Ranch tonight, Toto. Then I'll come back here. Meantime, two men will come to let you out of jail. What? Tonto do? Take this gun. Hide it in your shirt and listen carefully to what I tell you. Cummings and his scheming companions left the ranch that night, planning to rouse the townspeople against Tonto. As they disappeared from sight, the masked man, silent as a shadow, raced across the open plain to the stable. A moment later, a thunder of hoofs and silver with a lone ranger in the saddle sped into the night. Meanwhile, Cummings, Dave, and Ben took cover behind a dark row of buildings near the jail. Their Confederate Steve was busily playing his part to excite the mob against Tonto. Cummings is giving directions to the two men beside him. Now remember, boys, as soon as we let the red skin out, we get back to my place. And you two will have to take them horses we picked up tonight and start them moving out of these parts. We're taking the same place as the others. Yeah, and sell them fast. Get back here with the cash. Leave it to us, Colonel. I am. I just wish we could take that white horse along. Well, you can't. He's too hard to handle. He'd fetch a good price. I'll leave the critter with me till the next time. Maybe I'll have him broke by then. Ain't it time something happened? Yeah. I figured Steve would have started the lynch talk by this time. What do you say, man? Start now. Good. I'll pull the hombres off and let that critter stand trial. Likely not get found guilty. You know me, boys. I ain't for lynching a man no more than you are. Maybe we better let the law take its course. That's all right in most cases, but now I think we I don't... don't like lynching a man. Oh, Steve ain't a man. Look at what that critter's done. Sam? You lost two fine horses. Yeah. Pete lost one. What are you going to do about it? Sit back and do nothing? I say we should take the law in our own hands and string the red skin up. Yes, he's right. You know what will happen if we don't? He'll go on trial and say he don't know nothing about the horse stealing. He'd be found guilty, though. We got evidence. What sort of evidence you got? He was catched by Texas Rangers stealing Cal Cummins' horse. Cal's got his horse back now, ain't he? Yeah, that's right. Sure he has. Cal's got his horse back, and the engine can say he'd never seen it. Who's there to prove he did? He can't get them Texas Rangers to testify in court. They don't do business that way. You, you may be right after all. It'd be a disgrace to the town if the redskin horse thief was to be let go free. That's just it. Maybe if he sees he's going to be strung up, he'll tell us where the rest of the stolen horses are hit. 
That's a chance to get our horses back. Maybe he will talk at that. Most likely he'll tell where his part's at. I tell you, boys, it's worth trying. What do you say? We can get That's He's working them along in great shape, ain't he, boys? Big bunch is all set to start out any minute now. We'd better be set ourselves. Let's get on our horses. Yeah. Yep. As soon as they start moving to the jail, you boys get on the jump. What about the sheriff? I locate him and stay with him. Come on, boys. We'll take the jail by storm. Who's got a rope? That's it. Bring it up. townspeople, raised to a pitch of fury by Steve's speeches, headed for the jail. Cummings left to find the sheriff and keep him from interfering. At the same time, Dave and Ben rode swiftly to the rear of the jail to play their part in the plot engineered by their leader. Here we are, Dave. I think we can get this back door open as easy as the front. Sure thing. It was a good stunt planning that lynching. Of course. It's the only way we can make sure the engine be able to run for his life. He's innocent and he knows it. Might be willing to stand trial. Uh, wait a minute. Hey, you redskin. You in there. Listen, we're getting this door open, Savvy. We don't want you to get strung up. Hey, let me get this bar. Get in the lock. I'll pry it open. Engine. We're the men to put you here. Texas Ranger. Huh? That's who we are. Well, you put you here for trial, Engine, not to get lynched. Lynch mob come this way. You hear it, don't you? And me not steal horse. You might be able to prove that in a court, but you can't convince a lynch mob of it. What you do now? Stand back, Redskin. I'll fix that lock. Hand me that crowbar, Dave. Here. Horse, we'd pull you right over yonder. Get aboard it and travel fast. You let me go away? We don't let no man face a lynch mob. Me not go. What are you talking about, you crazy galoot? Don't you hear the men coming here to string you up? Me hear them. Then get moving. You're free now. Run. Not so fast. What the sham you must be? You coming. Me got them gunned too. Uh, what that? Get into that jail. Uh, you, both of you. Me show them you. The mob's at the other door right now. You can't do this. We're Texas Rangers. Run. <laughs> <laughs> Be quiet! There are horse thieves here, and you'll have them in just a moment. Sheriff, these two men are no more Texas Rangers than you are. They're two of the thieves who've been working around here. He lies! Sure he does. Those are the men who have been taking the horses from the Cummings Ranch and selling them. Where's Cal Cummings? There he is, trying to get away. Come back here, Cummings! Come on, Cal! We'll see if the man with them guns is telling the true facts. 
Maybe these are the critters that's been taking horses from your spread after all. Not Cal Cummings' horses. They take the horses which Cummings and Steve and other C.C. Waddies have been stealing from all of you. Those animals go first to Cummings' place. That ain't true. Wait a minute. Cummings, you persuaded the sheriff to send for Texas Rangers, didn't you? Well, I... You gotta admit that much, Cal. Yes, I did. And they come here and found you and that redskin. No Texas Rangers came here. Because you paid the man who was supposed to take the sheriff's letter to stay away from here and not deliver the letter. That ain't so. You can't prove no such charge. You did that so you could bring in those two friends of yours and have them pose as rangers to frame someone in town for horse stealing. Then you intended to start a lynch mob. Steve did that. Was Steve the start of the talk all right enough? Then the two fake Texas rangers would let the prisoner escape. You planned to have him suspected of stealing a lot more horses. Boys, this all just talk. You can't let a masked man and redskin hold a lot of you at bay with six guns. Rush him. Rush him yourself if you've a mind to. Keep talking, stranger. You got any proof of what you say? I have the letter you wrote, Sheriff. To the Texas Rangers? Here it is. It was never delivered. You can find Zeke Skinner if you want to. He'll tell you how much Cal Cummings paid him and how he lost it in the gambling place on the outskirts of Abilene. There ain't a word of truth in what he says. By thunder, he talks a straight story. Is a letter genuine, Sheriff? This is a letter I wrote, all right enough. Why don't you men rush these two? That's it. Don't let, let them talk you out of doing justice, boys. Maybe they're talking us into doing justice. You want more proof? You got more proof, stranger? Go to Cummings' place right now. You'll find the horses that were taken away from here tonight. Hey, horses stolen from you. You'll also find letters from the men who bought the stolen horses telling Cummings to get more of the same kind. Thunder. All you gotta do is look at Cummings' face to know the masked man tells the truth. Boys, wait. Listen. Don't rope me. I got a right to a trial. You'll Don't. get a trial, all right. And so all these crook parts of yours. That's more than you wanted to give the redskin. Boys, tie him up. You two deputies stand guard till we get the jail doors fixed. Yeah, we Come on, Connor. Let's get out of here. Now we'll get back a lot of stolen property and jail and armory scheme and pack it. Oh, yeah. Together again, Silver, old boy. Come, Toto. We're riding. Hey, Stay tuned for Don Amici and the gang in another episode of The Bickersons. Time now for The Bickersons, a radio comedy sketch series that featured the show's married protagonists, portrayed by Don Amici and Francis Lankford, who spent nearly all their time together in relentless verbal war. The Bickersons was created by Philip Rapp, the one-time Eddie Cantor writer, who also created the Fanny Bryce skits for the Siegfried Follies. The show typically opened with Langford singing a big band-style arrangement before 
uh, Amici and Lankford would slip into a comedy routine often aided by co-star Danny Thomas. In routines that often expressed Don Amici's frustration that Thomas was more interested in modern technology and discoveries than in women. (laughs) After um, another musical number and a commercial spot for Dream Shampoo, Miller would announce Amici and Langford as the Bickersons in the Honeymoon's Over for the final 15 minutes of the show. So let's hear how the action unfolds in tonight's episode, John's New Fishing Pole. From Hollywood, it's dream time. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Green Shampoo are pleased to present the 16th in a series of new programs produced by Carlton Alsop and starring Don Amici. Let me sleep, will you please, Blanche? Francis Langford. John, I'll go insane if you don't stop that snoring. Danny Thomas. It's a free country. I'm a citizen. And Carmen Dragon and his orchestra. And here is your host for the evening, Don Amici. Hello, Don. Hello, Francis. I've been meaning to tell you something for a long time. When I look at you, I see the brush of Raphael kissing a canvas with your likeness. When I hear you, it's the strains of a Schubert sonata reaching out to caress my ears. And when I'm with you, it's a divine sonnet of love written by Shakespeare. Such a lovely comparison and so literary. Who can be worthy of such words? The way I really feel about you is beyond words. For instance, just look out of that window. Do you see those two robins on that branch with their beaks together? What do you suppose they're thinking about? Worms. (laughs) Worms. <laughs> Why, Danny, Danny Thomas. Ah, <laughs> oh, Danny, please. Please, why must you always be so horribly present at the wrong times? Until you came along, I was having a purely intellectual conversation with a charming girl. Look, I happen to be an expert on the subject. I've got plenty of girls, haven't I? You have? Certainly. I even write my diary two weeks in advance. That may be so, but right now you're reading my diary over my shoulder Meaning? It so happens that Francis only goes out with certain persons Well? Who's certain you're a person? (laughs) Wait, that's a pretty nasty observation I mean, you must have heard how it was between me and June Haver before we had our big argument And she married somebody else She must have been pretty mad at you Mad? She was furious She married the same guy twice Well, you've made your little speech, now I'll continue mine. As I was about to say, Francis, I wish you'd come over to my house tonight. Oh, I'm on to your game, Don. Trying to cut me out with Francis by discussing high-class subjects. Now, wait just a minute. You're nothing but a slick, sneaking, slinking slicker. Now, you can't say I'm a sneaking, slicking, slicking, sneaking, (laughs) slicker. Neither can you. Now, let me tell you something. Now, just a minute. Before you jump to any conclusions, I think you should know that I have found in Francis a kindred spirit, a true connoisseur of art. The reason I invited her over is that I want her opinion on some paintings I hung in my house. Oh, in that case, I'm sorry. All right. You see, Francis, I have a Picasso in my den and a Rembrandt in my living room, and I think the place can take one more painting. It does seem that way. How about something in oil for your dining room? Why don't you get a can of sardines? <laughs> Please don't discuss things above your intellectual level. Don't be so harsh with him, Don. Maybe he does appreciate art. It so happens I do, Don. I saw the paintings in your house, and I liked them. Oh, well, thanks. I especially like the one in your living room, the three musketeers. But tell me, is the fellow in the middle supposed to have a mustache? Well, that's D'Artagnan. Certainly he's supposed to have a mustache. Ooh, I'm terribly sorry. What for? I erased it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, but I can paint it back oh, on. Oh, there's no use losing my temper. I guess you just can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Oh, wait, I, I wouldn't say that. Remember, Don, when you met me, you won a friend. That ought to teach me not to gamble. <laughs> Francis, will you sing something to soothe my shattered nerves? Certainly, Doc. <laughs> This can't be love because I feel so well. No sobs, no sorrows, no sighs. This can't be love, I get no dizzy spell. My head is not in the skies. My heart does not stand still. Just hear it beat. This is too sweet to be love because I feel so well, but still I love to look in your eyes. My heart does not stand still, just hear it be. Toby and Francis, your song was so delightful that I'm not even mad at Danny anymore. I'm glad, Don. You really are a bit impatient with him at times. Well, it's his own fault. If he were only more conversant with the arts, we'd have more in common. He was merely trying to be helpful when he erased that mustache. Oh, it's not just paintings. If he'd read some good literature occasionally, it'd help him socially. Don, not only do I read good literature, I even write it. You can't even write your own name. Hmm. What did you ever write? By last week alone, I typed 800 pages in one day. Send it to the editor of a national magazine. 800 pages in one day? Right. Why, that's fantastic. That's funny. That's what the editor said when he tried to read what I typed. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate good literature. Well, apparently you don't benefit by what you read. It's because of my system. What system? Mm, system. I always read the first few pages of a book. Then I read the last few pages. Then I start in the middle and read towards whichever end I like the best. <laughs> Francis, what were we talking about? Literature. And incidentally, I just read a wonderful book, Swan's Way by Proust. Oh, my uncle read that book. What does that make you? His nephew. <laughs> Don, don't you think we should be more tolerant and sympathetic? Perhaps fiction doesn't interest him. He may be stimulated by philosophy. Philosophy, that's a funny thing. You know, Francis, when I was five years old, I came home with a volume of Plato under my arm. Five years? Weren't you a little young for Plato? After all, as a kid know what he's stealing? <laughs> Uh, Danny, may I make a suggestion? Of course. Next time you go to the library, get a book on the rearing of calves and present it to your mother. Yeah. Francis, may I see you for a minute alone? But wait a minute. How do you like that? Walked away from me. Big shot intellect. Thinks he's smarter than me. He's just lucky. He was born with a brain. <laughs> can't even write your name, he says to me. I should have said I can't do write my name. I should have said, maybe not from memory, but... 
If you knew more about the arts, we'd have more in common, he says. I should have said, listen, you're a stupid, ignorant baboon, and I'm your equal, I should have said. <laughs> Suppose I'm not as well-read as he is. What does that make me, the schnook in a month? <laughs> I should have said. I should have said, I'll say it. It's a free country. I'm a citizen. Hey, Don. Don. Don't get excited. I'm here. I insist that you revise your opinion of me. You're not being fair. I happen to have a reason for not being literary. I'm listening. Well, when I was seven years old, I took Little Women out of the library. It was my first book. And I've regretted it ever since. Why? Why? Today I'm $6,482 overdue on my library card. <laughs> I'm a slow reader. And that's why I'm convinced that being a patron of the arts is very costly. Danny, Danny, art doesn't have a material side. The great masters were guided by their spirits, not their stomachs. Van Gogh, for instance. He lived in a desolate cabin without plumbing, lights, or ventilation. His roof leaked and his walls were caving in. What would you do if you lived in a place like that? I'd rent it for 500 a month. Ah, <laughs> uh, Danny, why do you always treat serious subjects so lightly? Don, you think I'm intellectually unequipped? Definitely. That I just want to have a comic touch. You try. Hmm. Don't be surprised to learn that I am hipped. On what? Artistry, philosophy, and such. Mm-hmm. But the greatest bit of philosophy that I know was told to me in Trinidad by my friend Calypso Joe. What did he say? Listen. A joke is a thing that amuses many folks. They have fun. So I will continue to tell my little jokes. Like this one. Mrs. Jones had triplets one day. Two weeks later, she had twins, they say. Don't think that your hearing has been double-crossed. It happens that one of the triplets got lost. <laughs> now, here is a thing that has a comical slant. It appears my uncle has been married to his wife, my aunt. Thirty years. Thirty years now. That's a long time, and to me, my uncle is so blind. He says his romancing has never grown dim. If his wife finds out, I know she will kill him. <laughs> of course, there is no perfect marriage hmm, that I know in this life. I'll soon be divorced by Mrs. Calypso Joe. That's my wife. She said that she is through with me, and a bachelor is no thing to be. So I'll marry her sister, I'll tell you what for. I don't have to break in a new mother-in-law. Her sister and I, we will never, never part. We agree. The day I proposed to her, I was in her heart. Only me, I was feeling so all alone. So I called her on the telephone. I said, will you marry me? It will be bliss. She quickly said, yes, I would love to. Who's this? That's the philosophy of Calypso
glamorous dream girl, Frances Langford, joins Carmen Dragon and his orchestra as she sings Night and Day. When the jungle shadows fall Like the tick-tick-tock of the stately clock As it stands against the wall Like the drip-drip-drip of the raindrops When the summer shower is through So a voice within me keeps repeating You and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas as Brother Amos in The Honeymoon is Over, written by Phil Rapp. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson lies tense and silent in the darkness while poor husband John, insomniac extraordinary, engages in another grueling bout with the dread affliction that borders on madness, lethargica profundus. Listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
not human. <laughs> John, John, mm. cut it out. Cut it out, Blanche. <laughs> John, <laughs> what's the matter with you? What's the matter? Nobody would believe what I go through every night of my life. I lie awake for hours listening to that groaning and grunting and whining and giggling and snoring and snarling. I'm sick of it, John. Yeah, me too. Who's doing it, Blanche? <laughs> must be that new tenor. You're doing it. And you haven't missed a single night since we got married. Missed what? Snoring. It's unbelievable. I don't believe it. Good night, Blanche. Good night, nothing. Why doesn't somebody invent something to wake a person up when they start to snore? They don't have to invent it. I married it. <laughs> Very funny. Oh, you're so funny, John Bickerson. Well, you're not going to enjoy yourself while I suffer. Get out of that silly position and sleep like a normal human being. What difference does it make to you what position I'm in? It makes a lot of difference. You can't possibly breathe, right, the way you're all wound up. Ugh. You've got one knee up under, against your chin and, and your head is under the pillow and one foot's hanging out of the bed. Ooh. Go on, put that foot where it belongs. If I did, you wouldn't sit down for a week. <laughs> That's right, threaten me. A lot you care that I'm on the verge of a nervous breakdown. My face is full of lines. I've got dark circles under my eyes. My cheeks are hollow. I look worse than an old witch. It's true, isn't it? I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Why not, John? I'd be awake for the rest of the night. <laughs> you do think it's true, though, don't you? What's true? I look worse than an old witch. You don't look worse than an old witch. <laughs> Why do you emphasize worse? All right, you don't look worse than an old witch. That sounds even more horrible Oh, Blanche, why don't you just relax and go to sleep? Stop worrying about how you look Every woman worries about how she looks I suppose you know I spend half my allowance in the beauty parlor I'll have to raise your allowance <laughs> Put out the lights, will you? I'm so sick I don't think I'll live another month What's the matter with you now? I get terrible dizzy spells and palpitation of the heart Every few minutes I get a burning sensation and I think I'm going to dry up You say it, but you won't do it <laughs> Go see Dr. Marvin. He'll pull you through. How can you lie there and watch me writhe in agony? Right now, my pulse is going like a trip hammer. Oh, let me see. Oh, there's nothing wrong with your pulse. It's steady as clockwork. You've got your fingers on my wristwatch. What time is it? It's half past three. Oh, John, I know I'm going to die. Oh, you're not going to die. Every single time I get a premonition, it comes true. And I've had this dying premonition a half dozen times. Well, it didn't come true, did it? Don't yell at me. Send for the doctor. Oh, you don't need the doctor. I'll handle it. Where's the bourbon? Bourbon? I don't want any bourbon. Now, will you let me help you or not? I've got the greatest cure in the world for your condition. All you have to do is poach two eggs in bourbon. I won't eat eggs poached in bourbon. You don't eat the eggs. You drink the gravy. <laughs> don't you dare fix me any of your hideous remedies. All you want to do is finish me off. Well, if you don't want me to help you, stop complaining. You wouldn't talk that way to Gloria Gooseby. Oh, now don't start with Gloria Gooseby. All she has to do is sneeze, and you run up and down looking like Dr. Kildare. The day she fainted from the heat, you were busy rubbing her ankles. Well, you always rub a person's extremities when they faint. Well, you didn't have to be so extreme. <laughs> Why didn't you rub her hands? Leah was rubbing her hands. I can't understand what you see in that hussy. I hate her, and you know it. It's those tight slacks she wears. When she walks into a room, her eyes pop out further than yours. Nobody's eyes pop out. I mean, my eyes don't pop out at all. If you don't quit hopping on Gloria Gooseby, I swear. Go on, I... hit me. You've done everything else. Ah. 
sick as I am. Maybe I'll have to have an operation. An ambulance will come in the middle of the night and take me away. An emergency. There's no emergency. I might even die on the table. And if I do live, I'll lie there in the hospital in a charity ward. Nobody to visit me. No call. Blanche. Why don't you send some flowers, John? <laughs> Why don't you stop blowing your top? You're no sicker than I am. You're just putting on this act to keep me awake, aren't you? Now tell me the truth. So impossible that I might have an operation? Well, what of it? Thousands of people have operations. It's nothing to be afraid of. You wouldn't hear me squawking like that. Not much. You had to take either to have glasses fitted. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very sensitive around the eyes. That's because I don't sleep enough. Oh, Blanche, why don't you put out the light? All right, John. You'd have been asleep a long time ago if you hadn't been for your snoring. Well, can I help it if I snore? Yes, you can. Dr. Marvin says there's something wrong with your pharynx. You have a very long uvular, and it flutters against your palate. Why don't you let him fix it? Okay, I'll have it fixed next week. You say it, but you won't do it. Let him fix it now. What? Go on, get up and let him pull out your palate. Blanche, are you out of your mind? You think I'm going to let that broken-down doctor hack at my palate? He doesn't hack. He snips. I don't care if he shoots it off with a twenty-two. <laughs> Nobody's going to fool around with my palate. Well, you're going to have to do something, as it is neither of us get any sleep. Well, why don't you have him file your ears off? <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. I wouldn't argue at all if you'd just be nice for a minute. You married me because you loved me, didn't you, John? Mm. Wasn't because I had little money, was it? No, no, it wasn't. And even if we had our lives to live over again, you wouldn't marry me for my money, would you, John? I wouldn't marry you for all the money in the world. <laughs> See, there you go, starting all over oh, again. Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. Talk to me in the morning. You said you're going fishing in the morning. Who are you going with? With my boss. Why don't you take my brother Amos along? We're going trout fishing. We don't need any worms. Don't be so smart. Tomorrow you'll wish you had him with you. I assure you, I'll enjoy my fishing without Amos. Can't fish without a fishing pole. Well, I got a fishing pole. I bought a brand new one yesterday. I lent it to Amos. Well, that's fine. Then he'll be a... What? Amos borrowed your fishing pole. Oh, Blanche, Blanche, he didn't. You wouldn't let that sponging weasel take my brand new rod before I even had a chance to use it. He'll ruin it. He doesn't know how to fish. He isn't going to fish with it. His sink got stopped up and he wanted to clean the drain out. Clean the drain out? That chiseling thief is using my $50 rod for a plunger? It won't hurt it. You never catch any fish anyway. I always catch fish. I caught them last time, didn't I? Didn't I? You know darn well I brought home three bass and one smell. They all smell. <laughs> Go to sleep, she says. My whole life is ruined. Cleaning drains with my $50 rods. What's the matter with a piece of wire? Go to sleep, she tells me. <laughs> I'll never sleep another wink as long. <laughs> Hello. The phone's dead. It's leaking. Put down that bottle of bourbon. <laughs> Home. Brother, have you got a wrong number? <laughs> Jacko, this is Amos. Amos? Amos, where's my trout rod? Have you got any glue, Jacko? Who? Oh, Amos, you broke it. You broke my new rod. I've never had a broken rod in my life. Well, don't cry, Jacko. You got one now. <laughs> it was too long anyway. Why did you do it? The rod cost me $50. It's the finest rod made. Ah, 
cheap stuff. It snapped before I got it halfway down the drain. <laughs> I'll give you the money back, Jocko. I got it right here. Where would you get $50? I sold the rest of your tackle. Whoa. Good night, Jocko. That's the end of the world. Let me get back to bed before I explode. Oh, John! Me. John, you didn't break the vase, did you? No, but I'll be hanged if I'm not going to now. John, that vase is a family heirloom. It's been handed down from generation to generation. Well, this is the last generation. Good night, Blanche. This is Toby Reed reminding you, never before dream, yes, never before dream could any shampoo reveal 100% of the natural luster of your hair. Listen next Sunday for another pleasant half hour with Don Amici, Danny Thomas, Francis Langford, Carmen Dragon, and his orchestra. And now here is Don Amici reminding you there's still time to give and give gladly to the 1947 Red Cross Fund and wishing you good days, good nights, and good luck until we meet again. She will soon be seen in the Republic picture, That's My Man. Danny Thomas appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the new musical, It Happened in Brooklyn. Danny Thomas's song was written by Jerry Seelan, with special music by Carmen Dragon. Why isn't there more soap? Because adequate supplies of soap, fabrics, medicines, and many products can't be made without more fats than are available today. And that's why everyone is urged to save every drop of kitchen fats every day. The need is urgent... The reason's sound. And dealers now pay more per pound. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Philip Marlowe, followed by Bob Hope. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenel for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.